Hello, and welcome to episode 218 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Pat O'Malley, creator of Pop Scars, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Pat, thanks so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Let's uh, start off with a uh, quick bio about yourself, and then after that, give us a elevator pitch for this comic. Sure. Thanks so much for having me on. Hi, Matt. Hi, Noah. Um, this is my first podcast ever, just so you guys know. Uh, so if I'm a little nervous or whatever, you know, just bear with me. But uh, I'm from Pennsylvania and I moved to Los Angeles to make films. Um, I've made maybe 10 or so short films. I mainly focus on like horror. Um, I did get into doing some like kids horror, which is kind of fun. I made a, a short film called Pool Shark. And it has like right now 63 million views on YouTube. So that was a big reason that kind of helped me get into comics. Um, but the, how this comic was born was I was making a short film called Pop in Hollywood. And it's, it's only 13 minutes long, but it took me six years to make. And somewhere in the middle of that, um, I just decided that making movies was extremely expensive and you had to rely on too many people and locations and budgets. And I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And I've been a lifelong comics fan. So, you know, developing a comic always was very interesting to me, but I never really, you know, took it seriously. So I got into reading like Scott McCloud's, you know, how to make comics and stuff like that. And I started writing this story of, of this kind of version of Hollywood that I started to to develop in the film. So the film is its own thing. The comic became its own thing. And um, it really kind of really went wild when I drew this like hooker Spider-Man character, like really inky, sketchy kind of, I don't know, Spider-Man hooker. I don't know what else to call, call her. And I, I knew that there was something there. So that kept evolving and it eventually turned into Pinky. And Pinky is the main character of Pop Scars. And she was how I kind of developed this whole story was I looked at her and I needed to know what her story was. Um, so this is my first book. I launched uh, my own publishing, self-publishing kind of thing, punch publishing. Um, and the, yeah, this is our first title that we are releasing right now on Kickstarter. Awesome. So you, you said early on in that sort of bio that you were a lifelong comics fan what were was some of the first comics that you 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 picked up and what were some of the first comics that sort of hooked you in and that you were reading like maybe month to month um okay yes so when i was really young you know my uncle would take me to gas stations and i would grab a book off the shelf it would be like spawn or like, you know, I had this like Spider-Man Gambit crossover that I specifically remember. Um, but then a little few years later, my other uncle gave me his Marvel collection, his Silver Age Marvel collection, which was like the Holy Grail. I had like Spider-Man 50, like Silver Surfer number one. He just gave me like the Holy Grail of, of comics. So that was a really amazing intro. Like Marvel was my, you know, main intro into the comics world. And then you know, I kind of fell out of them for a little while, but then uh, I found 30 Days of Night and that book showed me that there was so much more to comics. You can do so much more than superheroes. And that one I really fell in love with. And that got me back into the comics world. And I started exploring like indie comics from then on, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. It's sort of like the... Uh... You know, you you had sort of the the initial sort of interest on your own, but then you were given this like, as you said, this sort of jackpot of like really classic stories. But then it also seems like with that bio that you gave us, that maybe that thirty days of night was sort of like the perfect sort of you know next sort of kernel to to bring you uh, to comics because it seems like maybe you have like a a horror bend to like what you want to do or what what inspires you so do you think that's the case yes absolutely um i i have always loved horror movies but like finding a horror comic that felt like new and fresh and different and you know 
Ben Temple Smith with that like crazy kind of scratchy art. Like that was a major, like major influence on me. And just, I, you know, i I still follow Steve Niles. I actually got him to sign a copy of 30 days of night one time. And that was like pretty wild for me, but yes, I love, you know, horror. I look for it. I kind of like to see like what people are doing with it, you know? And That's awesome. Uh, are you the artist on your, on your book as well? Cause I know you said you drew your, your main character. Um, I, I am not the artist on pop scars. The artist is named Santi Guillen and um, he's from Argentina. He's incredible. I, I'm like so grateful that he's on this book because his, like every page feels like it's like better and better. <laughs> so it's, I'm very grateful to have him. And then for issue two, we have a new colorist NL Ashworth and they are doing like fantastic, fantastic work. So we have like this nice little team and we all feel like we're like really contributing and the book is like evolving and that's like really cool to see, you know? Interesting. So how did you, how did you find uh, the, the artist for this book? Um, so my editor, Phil Smith, he, he helped me, you know, get into like Facebook groups and connecting comics with comic writers, with artists. And, you know, I made a, a post and I got like a hundred submissions and I, you know, I sifted through, sifted through and Phil and I both agreed that like Santi was like the right choice. We didn't know why yet his art just is, was different. It didn't look like a superhero story. It looked like something that could go really dark. And so we gave him a shot and then he delivered the first page and like, you know, my jaw dropped because it's just like, I, I was thrilled because we knew it was the right fit, you know? Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. There's a, there's a couple of things you touched on there. Um, I think I've posted in that same group and uh, I'm guessing maybe you, 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 when you posted, you said this was a paying job and that's why you got like hundreds of submissions, right? That's right. Yeah. I, I knew, I knew getting into this, that this was going to be kind of like an expensive undertaking and I did give the rate and stuff like that. And yeah, that's, I think that's what drew so many. Uh, sorry, Noah, you mentioned something about drawing and I just wanted to go back. Like I do love to draw and I do all my character designs and I did sketch out like every shot of this book. I even tried to make this book on my own drawing it with some graphic designer friends. And um, I just could never get like the comic book look right. And so I eventually tapped out and like had to concede that like I needed help. So that's kind of how me drawing kind of helped me see the story, but also realized that like I can't draw a comic book. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Still, did, do you did you hand over that the, those those uh, that that's sort of like what you said, like a storyboard over to the artist when you hired him? I, I, I was very careful about not giving him too much. I think he saw like the first five pages that we tried to do digitally. And then he didn't see anything else. Um, and he kind of like took some of my angles and, and like framing and he kind of like evolved it for me. Um, so you, I can definitely see like some of my shots in there, but uh, at a certain point, Santi just like took over and, you know, he, he envisions it, you know? That's awesome. And uh, did he, did he do the same thing with the character designs or did he stick to your character designs pretty faithfully? Um, you know, I was really nervous because he didn't give me character designs. We were, <laughs> I wanted them and he was just like, you know, I, I, I feel better just like getting started. So I just wanted to build trust at, the, at first, you know, we didn't know each other. We're talking through like WhatsApp, you know, translating each other's messages. Um, so I said, okay, like you can just, here's what I drew and, you know, let's see what you come up with. And um, yeah, I mean, he nailed it. He, he added a ponytail to Pinky, which I, I didn't have in my originals my, my design. And at first I was opposed to it, but then as I started seeing it more and movement and I, I started like really liking it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I could imagine a, a couple of things there. So you gave him some basic thumbnails for basically the, the first five pages, but you know, you had been living with this story for a while. Um, and what was like it? What was it like that that moment that the the first page came back? The the story that had lived in your head for so long, but you see that that first page of art. Yeah, um, you know what I handed over was like fully colored and fully developed stuff, 
And where I started the story was kind of a boring moment. I, I, I didn't know where to really begin the story. And my editor, Phil, kind of made me lean into like pinky. You have to like give people pinky. And so like I rewrote a, a new first two pages. And the first page I wrote is just like a full shot of pinky's face as she's pulling on her mask. And all she says is, I'm going to kill my dad. And I thought, that's badass. Like, let's see how that turns out. And when he sent it to me, it's just, it's incredible. It's, it's, it sets the tone so perfectly. And I feel like in that very small line, you have the mission statement of the whole book is like, Pinky's on a mission to kill her dad. We don't know why, what happened, you know, this all kind of unravels. But like, yeah, seeing that first page, uh, I felt like, yeah, we were, this was going to work. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good cold open for anything. I mean, it's always good to just start off asking questions, but like, that's a great way to like, also like uh, good for you as a writer, giving your artist the first page, just a face to draw. (laughs) Like that sounds like you sound like an artist's dream right now. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to, he's, he's pushing me and I'm pushing him. So I try to give him, you know, really interesting things to draw you know, but it's a balance of, you know, finding with the story within, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that was a really fun way to open the book. And I'm like, so happy that that's what we ended up doing. And then the next page is like a full shot of like Hollywood and you see the sun setting and there's like businessmen, but then there's also like homeless people passed out on the ground. So like, you, you know, that this is going to be like, this is a street level story. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to glamorize like Hollywood, this is going to be like the gritty version that they don't show you, you know, that's the version that I'm very familiar with, sadly, um, <laughs> not because I've lived in L.A., but or, or Hollywood, just because one time I decided to walk the Hollywood walk of fame. <laughs> and you just sort of you go down. I mean, it's definitely got some dirty elements to it, but there's also some classy elements, but you kind of hit a spot you know, walking downtown and all of a sudden, like the atmosphere just changes to that, like you're what you're describing. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there's definitely like some culture shock, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Hollywood and make movies. And then you get there and you walk Hollywood Boulevard and you're like, whoa, this is like totally not what I was expecting, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that sounds like a really cool way of looking at Hollywood. And, And it's sort of nice that you're you're uh, like there, there are good horror films set in Hollywood. Like I love um, Starry Eyes and things like that. Like that right. movie's really messed up, and, and and it's sort of a nice sort of anal- analogy, I guess, for for like trying to make it in the system. W- would you say your book is kind of along the same lines as something like that? Yes, I actually sought out Starry Eyes because I wanted to see what they did with Hollywood, how they looked at it as I was making this. Um, I I think that kind of uh, like grittier view of the industry where it's a struggle and it's not Mm -hmm. what you think. And, you know, like people are going to take advantage of you and, you know, it's going to be rough. So like I, I I had a job that I was driving into Hollywood at 5 AM every day and I did it for like a year and a half. And I would just like, that's when I was filming my short film on my lunch break, I would go and walk around Hollywood Boulevard with those walk of fame. And I would just film B-roll and, you know, in the movie, it's all sped up to be like eight times fast. But like I kind of observed this this space for a while and tried to see like, what is this? What is like so dirty and dark about this? But everyone thinks it's so nice and, you know, glamorous, you know, but Starry Eyes is definitely a good call because I did check that out to kind of research for this. Yeah. And I like, I like the angle you're going for. I mean, I do love, I love both sides of LA because there definitely is that romantic, you know, heartfelt, you know, dreamer side of it. Definitely. Totally. Um, but yeah, I like that you're sort of presenting the world with sort of a multi-dimensional view of, you know, La La Land basically. Yeah. Um, one thing, one thing I want to just say that you mentioned that is like this story has, you know, Pinky's father, Harry Kincaid, is a movie producer, a famous Mm. horror movie producer. And a big chunk of this book is dealing with the past of him making his first horror film, The Swamp Shark. And like you kind of get some of that romanticized Hollywood where like you have the the horror starlet with the blonde hair and like, you know, the leading man and 
you kind of see them filming with this like weird creature that's kind of like swamp thing or creature from the black lagoon meets jaws kind of thing you know um so it is kind of fun that there is like this movie within the world that is always referred to and it, you know it all kind of ties together eventually sounds an awful lot like um uh the fade out too um just with more of a, ho- a horror uh vibe with, with sort of going back to the past and stuff is that the that's a brubaker book right yeah mm-hmm. yes i haven't read that yeah. one i'll have to check that out oh totally you'd love it that's like it's like, it's about hollywood and stuff like that yeah golden age hollywood oh um, great deals with uh, with similar stuff very dark material not a very redeem- redeeming story at all um, <laughs> well, but if I, you I, like starry eyes you might like the fade out though yeah i think i should check it out though i i love the i just looked it up i love that typewriter with the blood what like a great image oh yeah you you like the fade out right matt i do i do i brewbreaker phillips you you know they can Damn. do no wrong by uh by me so but also, I'm looking at the uh, the Kickstarter page, and I'm looking at the the cover to issue one. Yes, um, that looks very Batman Year One. Mazzucchelli. Oh, is yes. that was that something that you guys were trying wow. to go for there? Yeah, huge huge pickup there. Uh, that was like my that's like the book. <laughs> that's like <laughs> the book where I was like, wow, if we could even scratch like a tenth of what they're doing and i know that they did a couple versions of year one where they recolored it but i'm talking about like the first version where it's very like colorful and wild yes a hundred million percent like you could even look in year one and there's a shot of bruce wayne like walking down the street with his his like beanie on and it's like red and stuff like that so yes exactly perfect perfect call with that nice i'm i'm glad to yeah it's it's as somebody who obsesses about comics, I, I looked at that and that was the first thing that popped out to me. I was like, this looks like maybe not Bruce walking down the road or, or the, but like maybe Selena, but I was like, this looks very Batman year one. So yeah, I, that, that's pretty awesome that that's what you guys were going for there. Yeah. That's amazing that you, you called that. Cause like, that was, I, I sent Santi like, maybe 25 pictures of year one. I was just like, look at this, look at these colors. Like, this is what we want. <laughs> Did you send it to the colorist as well? Like for reference, like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Well, for issue one, uh, Santi did pencils, inks, and colors. And wow. he, did the, he did the colors on the covers too, um, which is, he's a beast. But issue one took us, you know, almost, it took from like March to... December. It took like a long time for us to get through this issue one. Um, so when we started to move forward, Santi suggested, you know, this is kind of a lot of work. Maybe we can get a colorist and we can move faster. And I agreed. I thought that was a great idea. So instead of doing a post again, I wanted to just, I wanted to find the one right person. Mm-hmm. And I was looking around and eventually I found a book online called Killtopia by Dave Cook um, and the colors on it were just like insane, but they looked like pop scars a little bit. Um, so I ended up reaching out to the colorist NL Ashworth and they came up, came aboard issue two and just like, uh, they took it to a whole new place. They took what Santi did, but then like we see it evolving um, with the, the flashback shots they do. And we're just, very excited because the, the look is starting to evolve as we get deeper into the story. That's awesome. So I'm, again, I'm scrolling through the, the, the Kickstarter page. Um, and so, you know, I looked at the interior pages and I'm wondering if uh, Sin City by Frank Miller might've been a little bit of a inspiration as well. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I love Frank Miller. I think we all kind of love his like super hard blacks and stuff like that and dark shadows. Um, I don't think we de- we we pointed out Frank Miller and like the references we were doing. He he's referenced me for sure in his art. Um, I think some of the interiors. Santi is a big fan of um, uh, Jason Aaron and what are Jason Aaron and the artist? Oh, Aram Guerra. Um, no, it's, 
It's uh, what is the book that you're thinking about? Was it Jason Ed- Latour? Edward Risso. Edward Risso. Oh. Is, oh yeah. Edward Risso is who Santi kind of like, not not bases his style off at all, but like I think Santi would be very influenced if he if he let himself read more Risso stuff or look at more Risso work, you know. Yeah, hundred bullets stuff, right? Yes, yes, that's yeah. it, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, we were. Uh, we we've got another writer who comes on who's a big hundred bullets fan, and yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. So, you know, this at one point was a a short film that you got. Did you say about six or was it thirteen minutes of it um, film? Which it's uh, it, 13 minutes minutes over six years. Oh, yeah. So, you know, one of the things about uh, writing a screenplay is, is that, you know, we all experience time the same way through, a, you know, through a film. It's like 30 seconds of film is 30 seconds, you know, for us, the viewer. Um, but, you know, you can read a comic at your own pace and there's also the page turn. Um, so were there, was there anything that you, you know, try to do differently or think about when you went from screenplay to comic script? That's, that's interesting for sure. I think, um, you're right about time. Time is like, you can play with time in comics in a weird way that movies you can kind of, but you're right. The page, you know, the page count, the one page equals a minute, um, comics is its own you know, space of time. And you could sit and look at one panel for 10 minutes if you wanted. Um, I, I think because I wrote this so many times over and over again, and I drew all the panels and I drew all the shots. Um, I definitely paid close attention to pacing and how I wanted to use bigger frames for bigger moments where you want to sit with, and then, you know, smaller frames for like those kind of like jump cuts or like, you know, those quick cuts as when you watch a movie and they're cutting, 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 mm-hmm. I kind of thought as thought of like smaller panels as like those quick moments, you know? Um, and then writing for the page turn, for sure. I, I tried to make sure that when you, when you, you're always wanting to see what's next. And that was always a challenge was like, how do you keep, how do you end a scene and, and begin a scene in a, in a page turn, but, make it kind of connected mm-hmm. um i i spent a long time trying to teach myself like the comic formatting and i think i i told matt before we started i ended up doing like 20 rewrites of the issue one script <laughs> just because like i wanted it to be right i know you only you know once you put this out there that's it you know so i wanted to make sure i was just as as confident as i could be in those 22 pages you know that's really awesome and it sounds like i mean for your for your first this is your first comic writing right you, you know this is that's a lot of great stuff to consider and you know stuff that like i mean i i didn't really think about until we started this podcast you know like page turns and stuff like that talking with matt that's sort of where it came up and you know it, it changed my way of reading comics and looking for things like that so it's really cool that you're you know you you took your time to make sure that this was right. And, and I kind of, re- I really respect that about you that, you know, it seems like that's sort of how you do all your work. Appreciate that quite a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, someone told me that you can do things fast cheap or good and he's like you could pick two and or i had i decided i picked i picked good and it, it could be expensive and it could take long but i just want it to be good i want to i want to tell the you know for me this comic book is i know sometimes people don't like to talk about comics and movie industry or like i don't know if there's like a i don't know if there's something that comics want to be their own thing you know like they don't want to be yeah. tied to movies but like for me not that i'm so happy for this as a comic book but for me this is like me telling my first feature film that's kind of how i'm looking at this like you know this is six issues so far we have you know two done but there's four more where like you know that's where we're trying to get to we're trying to you know complete this this story you know pinky's story 
Yeah, that's a cool way of looking at it because I definitely get the uh, because I, I'm one who complains about this all the time about sort of some people who just write a comic so that it becomes a movie, you know? Yes, and that's, that's what I was talking about. Yes. Yeah, but I think that's what your approach makes sense. You know, thinking of it in terms of the grand story that you want to tell, you know, the grander story that you want to tell. And, you know, like it, it's not a bad thing that a comic gets turned into a movie or that if you can turn a comic into a movie like, like Frank Miller, right? You know, it's awesome that Sin City was, a, you know, of course, directed by Robert Rodriguez and him, you know, yeah. like that's something that's, that's really cool. But he, you know, it, it's always, but it sounds like, and it sounds like for you though, that you're writing it as a comic more than you are as like a future screenplay. Totally. And I, yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to make sure that's like, definitely that's like known is, you know, I already made the movie kind of, <laughs> I made the movie yeah. first and now I'm making the comic, but like the movie was, you know, its own story, but like. I, if I didn't do that movie, I would have never discovered characters and the Hollywood world that I wanted to tell. But yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, if this only lives as a comic, I would be so stoked. But also, you know, I, I, I think this could be such a cool animated, you know, just seeing Pinky with her bad axe, like, you know, it would just be wild as an adult animation. So I would actually prefer that over a live action movie, I think. Oh, yeah, especially now after Invincible. You know, I, yes. I think we're going to see, I think we're definitely going to start seeing a wave of really cool animated adult um, a animations based on comics. Because, you know, people who liked cartoons are now grownups and they still like cartoons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like perfect, like Invincible was wild. I thought that was uh, probably the goriest cartoon I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So another thing that, you know, when people talk about making comics is, is that the, the, the budget is unlimited. Like, you know, when you were making movies, you had sort of, you know, the, the limitations of like getting the camera or, you know, possibly, you know, CGI. But here, the only limits are, you know, your imagination and the, and the team's imagination. So you were able to like, you know, maybe make this a, a larger story. Um, so was that, was that freeing to you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. A hundred million percent. Um, just when, when that clicked in my head was like a comic could do anything. Like I could blow up earth in a comic and that didn't cost me anything, you know, uh, except for maybe whatever the page rate was, but like, yeah, that, that made it, that opened up the story. You know, if I, if I wasn't, when you write a script, when I write a script, I'm always writing for, can I shoot this? How can I shoot this? How can I keep making concessions so I can make this? Uh, mm. But with this, I was just like, I, I'm going to do everything that I want to do. Uh, so that's why we have these big flashbacks. And that's why, you know, they're making a shark film and stuff. And there's this giant shark monster. And, you know, uh, it's crazy. I would never, no one in their right mind would ever let me make pop scars, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but maybe now that they see it, they'll say, oh yeah, this is cool. But uh, yeah, for me, getting that freedom to just say, you know, we're going to take over Hollywood. Uh, and, you know, you're able to see that on the page. That's that was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, is now, a quick question about the, the shark monster. Sorry to backtrack on this. No. Yeah. That, is that an homage to your career as <laughs> the in the uh, your, your shark, your pool shark short? <laughs> yes. I figured if he's going to make a horror movie, I was trying to think of what it could be. And I thought, you know, if any, if I'm allowed to, to make it a shark, cause I made a shark short film. So I was like, you know, I'm, that's my, I'm, I'm giving myself permission to. So yeah, that mm -hmm. definitely was, you know, kind of nod to my, my little short that I made, but then, you know, I come up with this swamp shark character. And of course, you know, I, years later, I Google it and see that someone made a movie called swamp shark in like 2011. So I'm like, all right, but it's different, you know, mine's a creature and it's the swamp shark. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's something where it's like, especially in B-movie horror and stuff like that, it's hard to find something that hasn't been mined in that area, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I thought swamp shark was like genius. And then of course, like, oh, it, it like predates me by like six years. But let me tell you, man, if this becomes like a, again, not to make an invincible reference, but there is like an invincible, uh, there's a comic within the comic called Science Dog. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and then Robert Kirkman wrote a Science Dog book. 
Yes, that's so that. cool. And I'm like, and now I'm just saying, you know, uh, you know, Swamp Shark sounds like a comic I'd read. Definitely. And, and, and you so. know what? I, <laughs> I've already written out the entire Swamp Shark movie. <laughs> <Nice>. So like... <laughs> So like I know I know what happens in the first film and the Swamp Shark film series has nine sequels. So I kind of set myself up to, if I want to do that. Yeah, there's a lot of, of fun Swamp Shark stuff that could be done. They're called awesome. like it's called like Death Swamp and like, you know, Return of the Swamp Shark and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> Very cool. Nice. So another thing that I see when I look at the Kickstarter page is that you give a example of the, the script page. Um, and I know that you said that you looked at like uh, Scott McCloud's making comics. Um, did you look at any other like comics pros scripts? Because I think like in Hollywood, there's like a set formula for like a screenplay but there's no set formula for a comic book script um so how much like research or like how much did you just sort of borrow from your experience to, to make that script um you know when i handed over my first script to my editor he read it like i wrote it very strange i wrote it in like two columns and like one column would be like the panel description and then the second column would be like any dialogue so if you look at it, it's very weird to look at. Uh, it's more like an animation breakdown. If you were giving like animation notes, that's kind of how they would do it. Um, but my editor kind of showed me like this kind of format. And because I was working with someone who speaks Spanish and is going to have to use translator and stuff, I wanted my formatting to be like pretty clean. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go crazy. And I've seen like, you know, how Scott Snyder sometimes writes and like, I, I just couldn't do it like that. Um, his scripts are like a little bit more free, but they're very detailed. But this, I felt like, you know, it's, it's, there's the structure there, you know, and it's very clear to see, you know, here's the setting, you know, and for the letterer, here's, you know, the sound effects and they're numbered, you know. So I tried to make it uh, very clean. That was like a, a goal because so many different people were going to be working on it from all over, you know. And did you find that there were any sort of things that you had to go back over? Because, you know, I've worked with people who are, you know, they live in Brazil and Portuguese is their, you know, their first language or they live in Turkey. Um, so there was there anything that you had to make sure that you weren't using sort of like, you know, shorthand or American slang that you had to make sure that you know, you had to be, you, you said earlier that you wanted to be as clear as possible, but was there any time that like the, the artist came back and it was like, Hey, what, what do you mean here? And then you were like, Oh, I can see as like a native non-English speaker that like, this wasn't so clear and I'm going to, you know, give you reference or tell you what I mean here. Yeah, we definitely had some of that. Not as much as like uh, you might expect very few times where you know, the, the language barrier would be, so he, he would interpret something a different way and we would, you know, go back and fix it. But the workflow has been like super positive, super nice. Uh, we love talking. Santi and I just like text on WhatsApp now and check in and say hi. And even when we're not working, we're sometimes talking about stuff and he's very excited about the Kickstarter. But um, no, it's been really, uh, it's been nice. I feel like it's the, the relationship has only grown and the trust has only grown. Um, you know, I think when I first started getting pages back, I had a lot, a lot of notes. And now as we're in issue two, I have maybe one, you know, the, the I think I found out how to be maybe less controlling over, you know, what you get, you know? Um, so it became more collaborative. And I think, yeah, it's every page feels like it is truly getting better, which is crazy, you know? Yeah, we've often we've often talked about how like sort of you know when you you start a creative process, it's almost sort of like dating, and you're feeling each other out, and it's sort of like you, you start off slowly and you build that trust, and you know you guys are in issue two. How many pages was? How many pages did you have in issue one? Uh, they're they're all twenty two pages. So they're far. all they're all twenty two. So you know the the first twenty two get finished. You guys go to 
you know, the second 22 and you guys have sort of built this sort of uh, workflow. So it, it's, it had to get easier as time went along, right? It did. And then bringing in, you know, NL Ashworth as the new colorist, um, you know, it's the, the process has sped up, but also the work hasn't suffered. You know, I think the work is, is getting better. And um, even Santi was a little nervous because he's like, usually I don't like when people color my art, but he's like, I love what, what Lou's doing. Uh, so we're, yeah, right now we're, we're in a, like a really nice groove and it's nice to have the Kickstarter running as we're like just seven pages away from the end of issue two. You know, it feels like we're in a good space right now. That's awesome. So did you guys bring NL to the, to the team? Cause you know, Noah and I have found a lot that, you know, through this podcast that somebody will start off with an artist and the artist will recommend a colorist, but it sounds like you guys brought in a, a colorist. Um, so how did you guys find NL? Yeah, I, you know, I, we found Santi by doing that, you know, the Facebook posts. Um, and I didn't want to do that again because I was just, you know, I didn't want to look through, you know, 50 or 100 submissions. I just, I don't know why I was resistant to it, um, but I was looking, I kept looking and you know, I look at what people were posting and then uh, I kept seeing this book called Killtopia and I loved the colors. It's like a, like a sci-fi punk kind of story. And I ended up looking up their Kickstarters and finding out their colorist and then just like reaching out to them personally and was like, Hey, I love your work. Um, I was, are you interested in maybe coming on this book to do the next five issues with us? And, you know, here's what it looks like. And, yeah, they were like super into it and kind of just jumped right in and, and like started killing it, you know. Nice. And what about a, a letterer? Do you guys have a, a letterer on this book or are you handling that or is, uh, is Phil handling that? Yeah, that's a that's Phil. Phil took on the editing duties and the letterer duties. And uh, the, I think the lettering is turning out really cool. There's some like character to it. And uh you know, each, each character has their own kind of style of balloon sometimes. So yeah, there's really fun details in the lettering in this. He's doing a fantastic job. And does he ever, you know, sometimes, well, not sometimes, but like lettering is the, the last stage of like comic production. So does he ever have like a moment where he like reaches out to you and he goes, you know, your script says this, but now looking at it where I have the art on the page, you know, this might not be necessary or this is not clear. Are you guys still like fixing like the dialogue at that point in the, uh, the production? Um, usually. So I'll send a script to, you know, Phil, he'll approve and then we'll send it to Santi and Lou and they'll do their thing and we'll get back colored pages and, Phil has been, I'll, I'll send him a letterer ver version of the script. So I'm going through it constantly tweaking and rewriting and changing dialogue. And then once I get letterer proofs, um, I'm just reading it with the script and checking over and making sure we're all cool and things are lining up right. And it's been just very free flow. We just, you know, could we change this or maybe this block of text is too much. Maybe we should just cut this line and yeah, Phil, Phil gives his input on every page and we kind of consider things and see what's best for like the flow and pacing of it. Nice. And did Phil have any experience in, in lettering before he did this book or that it was this his sort of first uh, foray into to lettering a book? Oh, Phil definitely has experience lettering. Um, I can't rattle off his uh, credits, but he is like the comics vet on our team. Uh, if not for Phil, uh, this wouldn't happen. I think he was like, once Phil and I met, because um, I was searching for an editor for a while, because I didn't know how to make a comic. And to me, I needed an, an editor to kind of help me, tell me what to do, you know, how does this work? And so I searched for a while between like 2017 and 2019 for Phil. And finally, towards the end of 2019, I found him and I like had to convince him that I needed help. And this was the book. And uh you know, I don't think Phil and I share the same taste uh, in certain things because this is kind of hardcore and I kind of push this uh, in ways that, you know, are sometimes uncomfortable. 
Um, but Phil kind of supported that. He checked me when he needed to. And uh, I always considered his notes and really tried to make sure that this was the story. This is what it is. And, you know, I, I did want to stick to my guns, but yeah, he's definitely helped me evolve it and grow it. And it's so much better that Phil came aboard. If I did it without him, uh, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast talking to you guys because <laughs> uh, the book would have just crashed. <laughs> That's awesome. Is, uh, is Phil a, uh, like an LA guy or did you, how, how did you, how did you guys link up? Phil is an LA guy. Um, how did we link up? I was, I was bothering, I was bothering someone named Jeff Cozine and he works for stranger comics. And I don't even know how I came across him, but for years I would just message him. Hey, like, would, can you help me with my comic or like, Hey, he's so busy. They, he, they, they're running like, they're putting out Niobe and all these great books. So he, eventually he was like, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll send you to someone. I'll send you an editor. And he sent me to someone and I was really excited. And I prepared this big, long message. And the editor emailed me back with like notes on my script before, like we even talked about like what the story was, what it's about. So I was like, so scared and nervous that like, that he just like shredded my script. <laughs> and then uh, I went back to, uh, Jeff and I was like, hey, this is not going to work. Is there anyone else? And he put me in touch with Phil. And that was just amazing. Phil was just like the perfect fit to kind of, he's like my anchor. He, he makes sure I'm not, you know, doing too much or going too crazy, you know. That's, that's really cool. So, you know, you guys are, are doing a Kickstarter for, for two issues. Um, and you guys are doing really well. Um, you know, I, I see here on the Kickstarter page that you, you've created two Kickstarters. Um, what do you, do you want to say what was the, uh, was the first Kickstarter that you guys are that you tried to create? Sure. Yeah. The first one was way, way back in, man, I, this must be like, 2012. 2012, I created a Kickstarter for a short film called Household Weapons. And, you know, Kickstarters for short films is, is like a recipe for disaster. Uh, I, I just, I never had any success funding short films. I always had to find a way to kind of make them. So uh, that's what that was, a failed Kickstarter from 2012. But Household Weapons is a super cool story. And I guarantee you, I will try to make that a comic book uh, in the next few years. <laughs> I like the sound of it. it. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's like a home invasion kind of uh, home alone story where it's like using weapons in the house, but you know, it's like you know, violent. You know, that's awesome. So I'm guessing, sort of, with like uh, you know, indie films on on Kickstarter, is it sort of like you pledge and then like you know, I give you a Dropbox link or I give you something to, you know, access the video. Is, is that like what the hope is? I guess in 2012, it was like, you know, we're going to send you a DVD copy of it, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I, I, you know, short films are tricky because like, I feel like people want a physical reward. And like nowadays, like you can watch anything on YouTube. So like, I don't feel short films are the best for crowdfunding but comics mm. i feel like are perfect for crowdfunding because you can you know now that we have the books we can it's like a place to grow the audience and find our audience um and they're getting a physical book and you know there's these really cool toys that we can include and stuff so i feel like there's just more like cross-platform potential with comic books and comic characters and you know like the cool stuff you can offer people as rewards so with this being your your second Kickstarter, you know the the first one was in the 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 short film category, but this was your first one in in comics. Uh, was there anything that surprised you when you hit launch on sort of day one? Um, you know, I I really wasn't sure how this was going to go, but I knew that we put in a ton of work up front. Like some people launch Kickstarters with no art done or maybe only a little bit of art done, but we like, we have an issue done. We're like well into the second issue. 
Um, so we had a lot of stuff to offer. So I thought, you know, getting the page right. And, you know, I did hire someone to help me set up the page and set up the rewards. And to me, that made like a huge difference because it looks real. And I think when people can see it and say, wow, this is legit, I think they trust you more. And, you know, that's what I was hoping to just like start to build trust with, you know, readers and stuff. Um, but honestly, I did not expect how well this was going to do right off the bat. Um, I kind of set six grand because I was like, okay, that's like an honest number that I think I could raise over the next month. And, you know, I have some of some tiers that are kind of higher with like the toys and stuff. So I was like, all right, if I sell some of these, I, I think I'll be, I could do it, you know, cause I don't have a huge social media, you know, presence on Instagram. I, that's like the only place Facebook, like no one, you know, sees my posts. I think because I ran Kickstarters and messaged them too much, they, they muted me, but um <laughs> <laughs> I forget what I was just saying. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about sort of like the 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 day one surprises oh, that you yeah. might have run into. Just yeah, I did not expect to raise over five grand in a day, and I did not expect to fully fund in under forty eight hours. No way, no way. I never would have guessed that. Um, my my secret goal is definitely more because you know we still have four more issues to make. Mm -hmm. um, and like, man, yeah, comics are expensive, you know. Uh, just to every page is a price and um, they can really balloon out if you don't budget correctly. And, you know, I, I kind of, I took this as far as I could on my own. Um, and that's why I'm launching this and, you know, I'm, it's time to share it, you know. Nice. Did you get any of the, uh, the sort of spammy messages that were like, Hey, if you pay me $500, I can get your campaign shown to, you know, X fold amount of people. Yeah. The, the, we'll, we'll, we'll promote your comic to super backers. <laughs> yeah. The, those, yeah. The, those are always my favorite where it's like, you know, I've run Kickstarters where I have like a $2,000 or $3,000 goal. And they're like for $500. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's a, that's a fourth of my budget there. Yeah. Buddy. Like, I, I, I don't think I'm going to go for that. <laughs> yeah. I definitely got a few messages that were suspect, but um, I'm just sticking to, you know, grassroots. I'm just messaging people. Uh, I think the past week I've messaged more people in my like this week than like the past two years, you know, it's just been constant, like talking to people about the book and it's like exciting. Cause honestly, I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. So the fact that people are even like interested is so cool and it's just exciting. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. That's awesome. So this is issue two, one and two on Kickstarter. And you had mentioned earlier that you, are envisioning this for, for six issues. So do you have like a, an outline that you're working on for the, for the next four issues or are those completely flushed out? Or are you sort of, you know, piecing in parts? Um, what's the process on, on future issues? Right. Um, I, I outline like crazy. I outline like by hand, like over and over and over again. And I incorporate like note cards and I list out the page numbers and what's on this page, what's on this page, like why is this important? So I, I like over outline. Um, we do have the script for issue number three finished and the script for number four is finished except for one scene that I'm like playing with because um, we have this character, Mary, that we're just trying to get right. And, you know, it's tricky. She's tricky. She's, she's, you know, tough to pinpoint. And I think, you know, when I created the character, I didn't fully understand the character. So, you know, now that I'm deeper in and we get more of Mary in the later issues, um, I'm kind of putting more time to try to make sure we're, we're getting this character like right. Um, so the next two issues are kind of almost done. And then five is, is just at, like notes. And then six is I have the layout set up for my script. Um, but I have to fill in, you know, the dialogue and stuff like that. Cool. So um, I'm going to check in with Noah if he has any more questions on sort of like making comics before we um, we talk about sort of finalizing of, of Kickstarter questions. Um, no, no further questions. Just I hope you get to come back on and discuss 
you know, future issues. And I'm really excited to read this book and, and whatever the, the, the rest of the series. Um, and, and I hope you get to come back on to, to, to promote the rest of the series or that, you know, you meet your, your stretch goal and have all the series funded. That would be awesome. Oh yeah. And, Thanks so much. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I'm really rooting for you because it sounds like, you know, for your first effort, it was a Herculean effort, you know, and I hope that really pays off because it's, you know, it is hard work and it sounds like you're doing it. So good job and good luck. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I, I feel like in my heart, if I could only tell one story and be okay with it, uh, it would be this one. And that's awesome. I would be super, super stoked if this is the story that like I had to my name, you know, man, that's awesome. <laughs> so I know that the, the, the first answer is, is this has turned into a movie and you're the, the, the first answer is you're the director, but let's just say that you can't direct this. Who would you pick to direct a movie based on this comic? <laughs> uh, I always thought this is a Tarantino story. I'm, I'm writing, you know, if Tarantino wrote a comic, this is it, uh, I think. Maybe not because there's like some Harvey Weinstein parallels. I don't know if he'd be down with that, but uh, I, yeah, this to me, this is like my, my, my swing at like a Tarantino style. And I think he would, he would do this just right. Well, I have good news for you. We have famous uh, listeners and Tarantino is one of them. So he, he's now been put on notice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He might, I don't, I hope he likes it. I don't know if he ever, if he ever came across this, I hope that Tarantino would think this is super cool and he would want to produce it, you know? Nice. Um, so another question I have for you is I know that you've already hit your, your goal and you have 26 days to go. Are you a refresh every 30 seconds to, to see where you are on the Kickstarter? Are you like, are you chill? Do you like go out, take a walk, come back and see, see where you are at with the, with the Kickstarter? Yeah, I'm, I'm chill now. I feel like so relieved that we hit our goal and like everything else is like, you know, I get to print my books, you know, and that's like the coolest thing to me in the world. Like I'm going to put my book next to Batman year one. And to me, you know, that's like a dream. That's a dream come true kind of thing. And like that, I don't think that's even sunk in yet that like I accomplished one of my dreams doing this. And that's like so nuts, you know? Um, so I don't know what else to say about that. I think uh, I'm just excited, you know? Yeah, that's got to be awesome because, you know, one of the things is like, you know, you run the Kickstarter and then maybe a couple weeks after you, you sort of open up the door and there's the, the, the box full of books and, and you, you cut it open and you, uh, you know, you pick up the book. So that's something that you, you still have uh, to get to experience. Yeah, this, this, I have to be honest, this year has been like life changing for me. I got engaged to my girlfriend of nine years this year. And to, that was like the highlight of my life. And then, you know, I have this, this pop scars Kickstarter going and it's doing well. And I'm going to get to put my own books out. Like, so I, I feel super lucky and super grateful. And uh, it's just, all of this is super exciting to me. And the comics community is like just the best community. I, I feel like I was, I was trying to make movies for like eight years. And aside from like my core friends, you know, it is so competitive. It is so like, you know, if someone's doing better than you, then, you know, I don't know, there's just a weird attitude towards them, but like comics, oh my gosh, it's so different. At least in the indie comics community, I feel like it's just people like supporting, supporting, supporting. And I, I think that's so cool. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Uh, I uh, speaking as a guy who's only been in it for a couple of years, I agree with you completely. Yeah, like I think people love comics, and uh, the people that love them love to see new ones. And I just, it's been really fun. And I, I started like trying to help people get their stories together. I, I like, you know, a lot of people have questions on like, how do I set up a script and stuff like that, or how do I format this? So I've been kind of talking to some people and trying to help them get their books going, you know, because I know Phil helped me get my book going. And to me, that was like game changer, you know? So all it takes is just a little bit of help and, you know, people can be putting out really cool, new, amazing stuff that we haven't seen before. 
So you have pop scars. Um, you know, this is this is a story that you're you're hoping to take to six issues. Are there any sort of other stories that are sort of percolating in the in the back of your mind that you're you're hoping to to take the comics uh, maybe after this story is wrapped up? Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. Like I got started on Pop Scars and I just like fell in love with making comics. And so I immediately started making other ones because once you write the script and kind of pass it off to the artist, like my heavy lifting is done and I didn't like to sit around. So mm-hmm. I started writing and I, I wrote like five other ones and I found artists and they're not, they're not the, the budgets aren't as high and, you know, they're not as, as like developed as pop scars, but I, I do have some other stories. One is called uh, no H2O and that's a post-apocalyptic story about a family trying to reunite across the Atlantic desert after all of the earth's water is taken. So I tried to go in a really different direction and do like this fun Mad Max kind of style story, but for like teens. So there's some violence and stuff, but it's never like pop scars, like rated R kind of thing. It's more like PG-13 area. Mm -hmm. And then um, I have another one called Monsters for Sale. uh, That's based off one of my YouTube shorts that I ended up writing as like an animated feature script. And, you know, I just bit the bullet that no one's going to produce this, this movie for me. So I'm turning that into like a kid's graphic novel. And we have, you know, we have 20, 21 pages done on that and no H2O. We actually have two issues finished. I just haven't released it yet because I've been so like overwhelmed with pop scars that like, I don't want to confuse people and be putting out too much stuff at once. So I was just going to focus on pop scars and then kind of slowly start to show people other stuff from punch publishing, which is, you know, my own kind of publishing imprint. And um, what's cool is if you donate it on the Kickstarter, you're going to get a digital copy of, I'm calling it like a punch publishing catalog. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to load it up with, you know, you get the pop scars, digital issues, you get two issues of no H2O, you get monsters for sale. You get this like fairy tale story. That's eight pages. You know, I, I want the part of the reason I did all these was I wanted to learn more about making comics. I wanted to see what different artists were like, um, how different stories can be represented. And so I kind of dove all the way in and now I'm like reeling back because I'm like, dude, I, I did too much. <laughs> nice. So, you know, we're in the, the summer of 2021 and, you know, we're getting back to normal. You know, a lot of people have their vaccines. Do you have uh, con plans in, in the summer? Um, I, I don't right now. I would, I would like love, love, love to, to do something like that and like see people and like actually sell the book in person. Um, you know, I think I just, I'm, this has been, uh, so much stuff to figure out in terms of, uh, you know, I have to get a website made and all this stuff for the Kickstarter. That's not even, you know, making the comic. It's just, uh, so there's a lot of different elements of work that I'm trying to, you know, wrap my head around. And then, you know, I know that Comic-Con got pushed, so I imagine that everyone who got pushed and didn't get to go last year is, you know, booking tables and stuff already. So, you know, that's a whole new world that I'm excited to get into, but also I have no clue, like, where to start or what to expect. Sure, sure. Awesome. So, you know, I had a great time talking with you, you know, look, you know, at the time of this recording, there are 26 days to go in the Kickstarter. Um, do you want to let folks know um, where the best place is to, to find you online? And after that, um, give us the, the pitch for uh, Pop Scars on, on, on the way out one more time. Sure. I think the, you know, I'm most active on Instagram at Punch Publishing. Um, that's where you'll see all this cool Pop Scars art. And, you know, that's really where I'm, I've been building my audience and, you know, that's where I communicate with, you know, people who have questions or, you know, just other creators and stuff. Um, so Instagram at punch publishing, and I could be emailed at hit back at punch publishing.com. And the book is pop scars. We have, you know, 20, 26 days left. And this is my, my gritty Hollywood revenge story about pinky and her quest for revenge against this horror movie producer, Harry Kincaid who just so happens to be your father. And, you know, I hope people come in to check out if 
what happens? Can she rid the world of this, this dirt bag or, you know, does it all fall apart? Like, like every other Hollywood dream, you know? Awesome. Well, Pat, um, it's been great talking to you and you have an open invite uh, to come back, uh, you know, future issues. We'd like to check in with you and, and, and find out, uh, you know, where the pop scars story is going. Um, so we're going to put links to the Kickstarter and, you know, your Instagram and uh, your email address for anybody. Um, actually, let me check with you really quick. Is it cool to put your email address? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so we'll put all of that stuff in the uh, the show notes. But, you know, I, I just want to encourage people to go check out the Kickstarter. Um, you guys are kicking butt and it's, it's doing really well. Um, so um, just continued success here. And it was great to talk to you. Matt and Noah, thank you so much for, you know, this opportunity and just, you know, having a really nice conversation. And I really like the uh, constructing podcast, constructing comics podcast you guys have. I'm going to start checking out some, some other ones. I saw Jonathan Thompson is on there and him and I just became friends. Um, it's cool to see you guys do some like big creators. And then, you know, here I am going to be on there. So, you know, kind of mind blowing, but I'm really grateful to you guys. So thank you. And I would absolutely love to come back and, and talk more about Pinky and, you know, crazy pop scars world. Very cool. Thanks. Uh, so for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructed Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be safe, be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics.